Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, ladies, and thank you, choir, and thank you, church, and thank you, pastor. Praise the Lord. I've had a good time uh, in church tonight, and uh, this is a great place. I'm just encouraged being here. And uh, so thank you so much. My wife is with me, my wife Terry, and my two youngest daughters. And Terry and I have been married for 26 years. And uh, Olivia is uh, getting ready to turn 14, and Stacy is 10. And so they're right down here on the third row. And then we have uh, an older daughter that uh, will be 21 shortly. So uh, I've got all girls at the house. I've got it made is what I've got. And um, so uh, I'm delighted to have them with us here tonight. Psalm 106. Psalm 106 tonight. And uh, I want to share what to me is just a sweet thought. And, and uh, I was very, very blessed, very fortunate to grow up in a Christian home my whole life. I don't know what your story is. Uh, my story uh, humbles me. Um, God's been incredibly good to me. And uh, he's probably been good to you, but he's not been as good to you as he's been to me. That I'm sure about. And uh, my, my parents uh, love the Lord. My dad has been preaching and in ministry for 56 years. Just came off the mission field last month and settled in our town. And I'm ex- excited to have uh, them near, near us. And uh, both my, uh, uh, my wife's parents love the Lord and live for Christ. And her dad's in heaven now. But uh, we got to grow up in this thing. What a blessing. Amen. I'm sure you kids that sang to us a while ago are excited that you get to grow up in this. Amen. And I want to speak to you tonight in Psalm 106. And I'd like to just pray and jump right into the message rather than us all reading together, if that's all right with you. So I want you just to sort of settle in and get your mind and heart ready. And uh, I want to share a thought with you. And I'll explain it as we get into the message I want to speak to you on this subject tonight, catching the spirit of the chosen. Heavenly Father, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll give this dear church and these young people in particular, Lord, just exactly what they need tonight. God, oh, what a wonderful thing it is when the young people in the church are revived and excited about the Lord and getting things right with God and with one another. And uh, Lord, how it can affect and infect an entire church and So I just pray your power and help in this service tonight. And Lord, let me be a blessing, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thy inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood thy wonders in Egypt. They Remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them. Look at verse 10, and he saved them. And verse 12, then believed they his words, they sang his praise, they soon forgot his works, they waited not for his counsel. Verse number 19, they made a calf 
in Horeb and worship. 21, they forget God. 24, yea, they despised the pleasant land. Uh, 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 and uh, in verse 36, uh, 32, they angered Him. Uh, verse 36, and they served their idols. 37, and they sacrificed their sons and daughters. This history of the nation of Israel is being written in this song of their rebellion against God and of God's mercy through it all. How many of you have rebelled against God and experienced the mercy of God? Yeah, it's His mercy that we weren't consumed today. I'm glad His mercies are new every morning because we need them. We need a new dose of mercy every morning, don't we? And, 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 but I want you to see, uh, I was making a point as we read our text, is, you know when you, when you write a song, maybe some of you have written songs and so forth, and, and, uh, but uh, the, 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 the Psalms, of course, are a songbook, and, and, and the psalmist, God doesn't give us his name here, but, but he sits down to write, and he's writing about uh, the nation. He's talking about them, and they, and they this, and they that, and they and this, and so forth, and and then right in the middle of that, he's writing this song. He just, it's like he sort of gets caught up in something. He says, wow. Man, I want that in my life. I want that for me. Look at it again. We'll start back at verse 1. He begins the song and praise ye the Lord. He's, now, y'all need to praise the Lord. That's a, good, that's a good song, you know. Y'all need to praise the Lord. That's what he said. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. All right? He said, y'all need to praise the Lord. He's good. Right? That's a good song, isn't it? And he says, verse 2, Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all His praise? Man, y'all need to praise the Lord. He's good. I mean, who can even put it into words? And then it's like almost he gets lost in thought in the middle of penning this song. And he goes from speaking to other people about how they ought to praise the Lord and and they ought to talk about how good God's been. And he just starts speaking in the first person in verse number 4. In fact, I put some parentheses around verse 4 and then at the end of verse number 6 where the voice changes. But for those three verses, it's like he forgets that he's writing a, a song of admonition to others that you, you need to praise the Lord talk about how good God's been. And he says, he stops, he just talking just him and the Lord. He just said, Lord, remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. And he goes back on. It's like, oh yeah, I'm writing a song. And he picks back up and starts talking to the nation again about what they did and what they forgot to do and, and so forth and what they ought to do. But in these three little verses, it's, it's like the psalmist he just, just sort of interrupts his, his song and he says, Lord, I, I need something right here. I need something. You know, you know, we preachers, even while we preach, we need something along the way. And we singers, you folks that sing, you know, you need something along the way. And here's the psalmist. And his heart is full, no doubt. It's a pretty long song. His heart is full. And, and he, he, of course, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but the human instrument, I'm sure, is full and, and has much to say in this song. But he pauses and he says, Lord, Lord, remember me. Could I have that favor on my life that is on your people? And Lord... Would you help me to see 
the good of thy chosen? Would you help me to see how good it is to be one of your chosen? Now I'm writing, y'all praise, praise ye the Lord. Don't forget His works. And I'm writing a song to admonish others. He said, but I need a little admonition right here myself. What is he saying? He's saying here in verse 5, that I may see the good of thy chosen. I think he's saying this. He said, Lord, help me see how good God's people have it. Help me see how good God's people have it. Folks, we've got it good tonight. We're free tonight. We've got a Bible tonight. We're saved tonight. We've got a church tonight. We've had food today, more than enough perhaps. We've got it good, don't we? I don't understand it all, but I know the word elect is in the Bible. And I know Gospel of John said, the Lord said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I don't know if I could give you a doctoral dissertation or not. I just know this. God picked me. Amen. He chose me. He said so. Amen. I'm glad He chose me. Amen. He chose me and ordained me to go and bring forth fruit. What a God. Amen. He said, man, I, I tell you something. I, 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 I've never been a great athlete. I've been sort of a middle-of-the-road athlete. Now I'm a pastor. They, they just do me a favor. They pick me early so I don't have to feel bad. Ain't nothing worse than not getting picked, you know? Nothing worse than not getting picked. God chose me, amen? God chose me. We have some beautiful children in our church have been adopted. And, and uh, I heard about the little kids on the playground, you know, some, some other little kid found out this kid was adopted, and they started making fun of him, poking at him. You know, how do you, 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 you were adopted. You did. And the kid was a little, little tyke. He didn't really understand all that. And, and he went home, and he said, he said I, Mama, I said, kids were making fun of me today. And he said, I was adopted, and I don't know, what, what are they talking about? And she sat him down. She said, Son, I don't know, maybe I should have told you, explain this to you already, but you're old enough to understand now. She said, Son, you know, most boys and girls you go to school with God gave them to their mom and dad. But you know what God let us do? God let us choose you. Amen. We went with some children were, and we found you there, and we looked over all of them, and we, we picked you among all of them. Man, boy, his chest started going out. He couldn't wait to go to recess the next day. He got to recess, he started making fun. He said, oh, oh, I know what this adoption is. It means your mom and daddy got stuck with you, but they picked me, amen. They chose me. And the psalmist right here, he said, Lord, let me see the good of thy chosen. Let me, let me see how good it is to be one of God's chosen people. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 20 for a moment. Keep your finger here if you would. We'll come back there. But I just am so fascinated by this parable the Lord taught. Let me tell you something. There's very few things that's broken about any of us, whether it be young, whether it be children, whether it be teens, whether it be adults. There's very few things in our Christian life that couldn't be fixed with an overwhelming sense of the grace and goodness of God in our hearts. I'm just talking about gratitude. I'm talking about humility before God and just saying you've been so much better to me than I deserve. That'll fix just about anything in a Christian life. Matthew 20, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that's an householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard and he went out about 
The third hour, now the Jewish day started at 6 o'clock in the morning. Of course, the third hour of the day then would be 9 o'clock in the morning. And saw others standing in the idol in the marketplace and said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the, about the sixth uh, uh, and ninth hour, so six, six plus six, noon, of course, twelve. So he went at noon, then he went at three o'clock in the afternoon, and did likewise, verse six says, and about the eleventh hour. So would that be five o'clock in the afternoon? Eleventh hour. He went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why stand you here all the day idle? They said, Because no man hath hired us. He said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. Now, when he started at six o'clock in the morning, he made an agreement. He said, I'll give you a penny for the day. Now, it would be a, a fair day's wage. It would be a penny. And, 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 but he got down at the end, at the end of verse 7, he said, Whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. He said, I'll, I'll do right by you. He didn't make a specific commitment. He said, I'll do right by you. And for, verse 8 then, So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last and the first. And when they came uh, that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Now stop with me just a moment. Okay, now wait a minute. A penny was a full day's wage, all right? Now we're just going to draw a, a, an analogy here uh, for sake of illustration. Let's just call that, we don't work for a penny a day now, but let's just call it a hundred bucks. You won't get rich on 100 bucks a day, but let's just call it 100 bucks a day to make it easy for sake of illustration. So the Lord of the vineyard comes to the marketplace where you hire folks, 6 o'clock in the morning, you hire some men, shakes their hands, said, and he said, uh, he said uh, Brother Angel, I'll give you a penny for, for a day's work. He said, that's great. Can you come work in my field for me today? Come on over here. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so he says, I'll uh, 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 work, work for a penny. We agree on that? Okay, wonderful. Thanks. So he starts heading on down there, goes about three rows back, and he's, uh, he's uh, going to give his 12-hour day, 12-hour day. They didn't have child labor laws back then and things like that. But anyway, it's 12-hour day. And then, uh, and then Nate shows up at 9 o'clock. He slept in a little bit. And, uh, but anyway, he showed up at 9 o'clock to the marketplace. He gets hired, and uh, they, they don't make an agreement as far as amount of pay or anything like that. He just says, look, I'll, I'll do right by you. And so he goes out, and he works his vineyard. Of course, he's not quite as far down as the 6 o'clock guy. You're, you're over here. 6 o'clock guy going down a little further there. And then, uh, uh, can I get you help? You ever worked a vineyard before? Well, you're going to tonight, amen. And so, and so uh, anyway, then the Lord of the vineyard goes back at tw 12. Here, this guy just showed up. He crawled out of bed. He kind of looked like he crawled out of bed just now. Anyway, but he just crawled out of bed. And uh, so we're gonna, I'm going to do, do right by you. So he goes off into the vineyard. Guess what time this guy was playing video games all night long and didn't get up till after tw 12 noon. And anyway, uh, and so uh, 3, uh, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and so it, um, the day ends at 6. And it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, you need work? He said, I need work. And he said, all right, go work in my vineyard. And then the lousiest, the rottenest of all of them, uh, Brother Kyle, he didn't show up till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, he stood in the welfare uh, line all day long, got him some free whatever, and then, he, and then he decided to go get a job one hour left of the day. And so uh, anyway, he sends him out. So they, they work, and then at, uh, uh, an hour later, then, then the horn sound, and it's time to come out of the vineyard. Well, obviously, the first one back would be the guy that's only, he didn't get very far down the road. Uh, he only picked one bucket of grapes while I was out there. And so, anyway, he comes back, and the, and the Lord of the vineyard gives him, come on back, fellas, come on back. The Lord of the vineyard gives him a penny. Now, wait a minute, hold just a second. Now, that's, that's uh, how much, we're calling that how much? hundred bucks. For one hour's work, he gave him a hundred bucks. That's a pretty decent wage. How many agree with that? That's a pretty decent wage. Praise the Lord. I think we ought to give the pastor that tonight. 
Don't you? And uh, anyway, that's a pretty decent wage. I mean, yeah, I think I, I mean, I'd be happy with that. But you have to, I'd be happy. Uh, so, so this guy gets paid a hundred, a hundred bucks for for, for for one hour's work. You know what these guys are doing, don't you? They're going, oh my word! He's already got a scratch pad and pencil out back there. He's doing some math. And so here comes the next guy, and and he too gets a hundred bucks. And the next guy comes, and he 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 worked one hour, he worked three hours. He worked six hours. He gets a hundred bucks. Do you know by the time we got right here, these guys at the end of the line are already complaining. Look at it. Verse number 11. Verse 10, rather. But when first came, they supposed that they should have received And they likewise received every man a pity. They supposed that they should have received... You know what the foundation of gratitude is? The expectation of nothing. You don't expect anything, you won't get disappointed. And when they had received it... Now, wait a minute. When these guys that started... He started at uh, 9. He started at 6 o'clock. When they received it, what did they do? They said, thank you for being an honest employer. Thank you for feeding my family today, putting bread and butter on my table. Is that what they did in verse 11? What did they do? When they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. Thank you, fellas. You'll be seated. They murmured. They griped and complained. Now, wait a minute. Hold on just a minute. Uh, 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 you, you ever hear somebody going at Christmas time with a big old stack of one? I heard about last last season. guy going out in some city and a big old stack of $100 bills, standing on the street corner passing out $100 bills. That, that's not fair. I didn't get one. Now, how selfish is that? Anybody with me? You hear, how many of you ever heard a story like that at Christmas time? Somebody handing out, and you think, well, that's something, man. That's really something. How about that? Shazam, that's really great. I wish I'd have been on that corner. But you excite you. You think it's a nice story. But to get upset and mad because God did something for someone else, did it for me, shows a heart of ingratitude. Look at it. Verse number 11 again. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man in the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I think that insinuates a, a prior relationship. Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. You know what ingratitude does? Number one, it strains friendships. Number two, it, uh, it, it, it will cause us to forfeit great opportunities. Can I tell you something? Uh, the easiest thing all the world do is be good to somebody who's grateful. And when someone's not grateful, they may not say anything about it, they just say, I'll find somebody else to bless next time. Is that not true? Let me tell you something, my dear friend. You, 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 you like the good things God's been doing, doing for you? Praise Him for it. Thank Him for it. Amen. He'll like to do some more. Amen. Unfortunately, how many times we look at what God's done for someone else. Verse 15, is it not... Is it, this is the, the, the Lord of the vineyard saying, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine eye? Mine own is thine eye evil because I am good. You know what ingratitude does? does? Ingratitude distorts our view of good people. Ingratitude distorts our view of a very good God. My dear friend, listen to me. I, 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 let, let me, let me a, apply this tonight. Uh, uh, a penny a day is a fair, a fair wage, a 12-hour day. And, and, and certainly, 
for, for nine hours, it's, it's real good. And for six hours, it's especially good. And for three hours, it's incredibly good. And for, five, for, 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 one, for one hour, oh my word! Can you think of anybody uh, that the Lord of the Vineyard be any better to than that? But folks, listen to me. You and I are free. You and I are saved. You and I have a church. You and I have a Bible. We are five o'clock workers. And the truth is this. Listen, you'll kill the Spirit of God in your life and it work in your home and your family and your church by griping and complaining. Our hearts are to get so full of the goodness of God in the psalmist who's writing this song. He stops and I, I think maybe he put his pen down and said, God, help me to see how good you've been to your chosen. I want to show you about a 30-second video. If it's queued up, fellas, if it can be, give me a thumbs up when it's ready. I want everybody to do, a fa do me a favor. Won't you take your Bible up like this? Hold it up in your hands like this. Won't you take it and press it to your chest just like this? Keep your finger there in your place. I want you to watch briefly as some Christians in China receive a Bible for the first time in their lives. Would you play that, Phyllis? <laughs> Seven thousand languages in the world tonight do not have a copy of this book right here. Over six thousand of them don't have any portion of it whatsoever. When's the last time you and I took our Bibles and crested it like that? Just held it up and said, Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you. Thank you for the word. The psalmist is writing here. He said, Lord, let me see the good of thy chosen. Let me see how good it is to be one of your chosen. Then he said this in verse 5, back to our text, Psalm 106, 5. He said that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. That I may rejoice. He's not, he says this, Lord, let me see how good your, God's people have it. Number two, let me be happy about being chosen. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home and and uh, my dad served as the, actually started the school there at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory back in 1970. I was, that was the year I was born and grew up in that. And later he became the pastor of the church. And my, my, one of my junior high years, Miss Irma Kissler is now in heaven. Her husband was a pastor, was my English grammar teacher. And, and uh, she, she, she loved to drink sweet tea. And we had English literature class uh, uh, right after lunch, and she would go uh, open up the class, and then she'd go down the steps and across the gym to the kitchen, get a fresh glass of tea, come back across the gym up the steps to our classroom, you know, while, while we prayed and read our Bibles and did the work and so forth like that, of course. And uh, I'm sure that's what you kids do when your teachers step out of the classroom. Is that right? Anyway, so anyway, so... Uh, uh, anyway, on, on, on that, uh, that, that was often a routine. And on, on one particular day, 
uh, she, uh, she opened the classes and turned such such place in your literature book, you know, and read something real exciting like Macbeth or something or whatever. Anyway, and, uh, and so we were there with our literature books, and she went out the door and could have go down the hallway, down the stairs, across the gym, get a glass of tea, back across the gym, up the stairs, down the hall, back to the classroom. The whole thing took about three or four minutes. We had it time just right. And like I said, during those three or four minutes, we prayed and did our work and so forth. <laughs> uh, but uh, she, that day... She was like a thief in the night. <laughs> she didn't go down the hallway. She didn't go down the steps. She didn't go to the kitchen. She must have just stepped two or three steps around the corner and listened. And, uh, and, and, and I, I wasn't the only one now. now I, for whatever reason, I, I was in the front and center. And I don't know why it was. It seemed like we had new teachers or something. You know, I'd get put back here or something. But within a few weeks, they always put my desk right back in the front and center. I think of the seat of honor. Anyway... And so, you know, I mean, kids are talking or whatever. And, you know, if you're doing some things in class, you sort of cover, you know, if you're talking and somebody walks in, <clears throat> you can sort of cough, you know. Or if you get ready to throw something, you know, oh, stretch it. But, but I had this man on my big pen and had a nice spit water in the middle of it. And it's really hard to recover from that. I mean, you're like, you know, what do you do? You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't exactly go, you know, you can't, you can't cover, you know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm caught, you know. And I'm not the only one. Miss Irma Kisser walked in, walked down the side of the desk, came to the front, and came right to my seat and leaned over, and she said, you of all people. And inside I rebelled. I said, what do you mean me of all people? Can't I be a normal kid too? You know, for a while as a young person, I struggled with those expectations. I struggled of what... Require what was required of me. Man, you ought to know better. What she said, you ought to know better. Your dad's a preacher. You ought to know better. I mean, you know, preachers' kids are the best ones. People always say that. Isn't that what they say? I can't remember. But anyway. But you know what? There was something inside of me that rebelled against that until God the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and reminded me of Luke twelve forty eight, which says, To whom much is given, much shall be required. You don't, you don't really expect the old gray mare to win a Kentucky Derby, do you? Can I tell you something, young people? If you're in a church like this with an old King James Bible and a gospel preacher and a bunch of people that love you and pray for you and invest in you, let me tell you something. God has some great expectations for you and He has a right to. Amen. We read Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much should be required. And here's the problem. We get stuck on requirements. Instead of rejoicing over what is given, we complain over what's required. You mean we got to do what? We got to do what? We can't do what? We, oh my goodness, did you hear now? We can't even do such and such, and we got to do such and such. And we got to, listen, there ought to be something inside of us tonight and say, God, forgive me. God punished his people when they murmured. They murmured against Moses, and the Bible said, God heard it, and God hears us when we use the lips and the tongue he gave us to praise him, to murmur and complain and act like we've been treated unfair. Listen, we're five o'clock workers. God's been good to us. And we ought to rejoice about it. God and say, God, show me how good God's people have it and help me to rejoice about it. It's interesting when he said it, verse number 5, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. Interesting word, gladness. You might want to circle that one too. You rejoice in gladness, two different words. Rejoice is this. It's a high degree of joy. <laughs> Something really, really, really exciting. But you know, you can't be that way all the time. But the word gladness is a moderate degree of joy. 
You know what difference? Even we're not shouting. There ought to be a little, little corner of our lip turned up when we go out in the world. It makes the world go. What is it? You're always so happy. What are you always smiling about? We know some things they don't know. We know someone they don't know. Amen. We know how this whole thing turns out. Man. Yeah. There ought to be a spirit of gladness among God's people. Oh, the psalmist said, Lord... Help me to see how good God's people have it. Lord, help me to be happy about being one of God's chosen people. Lord, help me to catch that spirit of gladness. And then he said this in verse 5, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. The word glory means to be clear, to shine, to make a show, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. He's saying this, Lord, help me never, ever get over how special it is to be one of your chosen. <laughs> help me never get over it. Let me ask you a question. Where were you when God came and He found you and He saved you and He spared you? And, and where would you have been if He hadn't come to you and found you and spared you and saved you? And we ought not ever, ever get over that. And the psalmist said, Lord, let me catch that spirit. Let me, let, forgive me oh, for my lack of gratitude. Forgive me for focusing and complaining about what's required of me and expectations. And Lord, help me realize how incredible it is to be chosen. How good you've been to me to be excited about it. Always glad about it. And glorify how good it is to be one of God's chosen. How many times do we read in the Bible, envy not the wicked? Envy not. One of the saddest things of all. If God's people name written in the book of life and we cast a longing look at the world like we're missing out on something. Thank you for this song, ladies. I missed out on a lot of things. Amen. I list, I've never been in jail. I've never woke up my head in a bucket of vomit. I've never been drunk. I've never been high on dope. I, 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 I don't have to uh, go get any kind of uh, uh, help from the doctor because uh, some disease that infected my body. Thank God I missed out on some things. Hallelujah. Missed out on a lot of things, thank God. And then he said this in verse number 6. He said, we have sinned. Lord, help me never forget your mercy in my unworthiness. Help me never forget your mercy in my unworthiness. The truth is, my dear friend, every one of us deserves to be in hell already, don't we? We ought never get over that. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Can I give you three simple thoughts tonight? Number one, to catch the spirit of the chosen, you've got to get around the chosen. <laughs> to catch the spirit of the chosen, you've got to get around. Let me tell you something about it. A, a good synonym for the word spirit is the word attitude. And, 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 and a spirit or an attitude, it's not something you learn, it's not something you study, it's something you catch. It's something you catch. And, and if you want to catch that spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving, then you're going to have to get around the chosen. He said, what do you mean? You know, you know who they are. I'm talking about the person that's happy in the Lord. Your, your pastor has that spirit, doesn't he? 
The one that's happy in the Lord, not the sullen one, not the one who can't make eye contact with leadership, not the one who's skirting around the rules at the school, not the one who's uh, 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 putting, posting questionable stuff. I'm talking about the one who's, man, I don't got time for that. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Sing, yeah, let's sing. So what? Yeah, let's go. So what? Work a bunch. Yeah, let's work a bunch. That's what I'm talking about. He said, well, that's not the very popular kid. That's the kind of kid you need to get around. Amen. Change the current. I, 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 I'm sure this church right here, uh, the, the, the current is in, in the right way, God, good, good Lord willing. But, but if you ever find yourself in a place where it's not, then stand up and make the difference. And say, we got peer pressure around here. we got peer pressure to go to church and peer pressure to work bus routes and peer pressure to pass out gospel tracts and, and peer pressure to listen to godly music. Amen. Right kind of peer pressure. Oh, if you want to catch that spirit, you've got to get around those who have that spirit. You know who they are. The uniquely blessed ones. The uniquely uh, uh, used ones. Those with the sweet spirit of Christ upon their lives. This spirit is contagious. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 19. You know, old Saul, <laughs> I think Saul had some real times in his life where he humbled himself and, 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 he, and it looked like he was going to get right, but it seems so short-lived. But I want to show you the power of influence when you get around the right people. Saul is hunting David down, and David has gone down to a place called Ramah. In verse number 18, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18, So David fled and escaped to Samuel, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth, and it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth and Ramah, and Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. <laughs> so, so here's Saul. He's, uh, he's insanely jealous of David. David flees to Naoth and, and Ramah, where Samuel and the sons of the prophets are there, and, and, and they're having a meeting, and, and Saul hears about it, so he dispatches two of his messengers to go down to that meeting and arrest David and bring him back so he could be executed. So they go down to the meeting, and as, as, they, as, they, as they're coming in the back of the meeting, I, I, I'm sure they were singing, I, I'm sure somebody was testifying, and as they got to the meeting, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit got on them. They came to arrest David, but they got in there and the Holy Spirit got on them. And all of a sudden, instead of a, they just stood there for a minute and wondered. And then God got on them and then they came down the altar and they got on their face. Oh God, I'm so sorry we came down here to arrest David. And I don't want to arrest David after all. David, I'm so sorry. I don't want to arrest you. I want to join the choir. And they said, can I say a word for the Lord? And the Bible said they prophesied. And Saul's back at the palace, you know. And he's, he's like, where are those guys at? They ought to be back by now. Where are they at? And so guess what happens? He sends a couple more guys. They come down to the meeting. Guess what happens? They get under conviction. Guess what happens? They go to the altar. They get right. They go, David, David, I'm so sorry. I don't want to rest anymore. I want to join the choir. Amen. And they prophesied. They stood up and they testified. And three times Saul sends messengers down. And they get down to the meeting and they're still arresting David. They get right with God. Amen. That's a good meeting, wasn't it? Saul said, if you want a job done right, you've got to do it yourself. He mounts up and heads down to Nath and Ramah. He doesn't even get there. 
verse number 22, Then went he also to Ramah, and came to a great well that is in Siku, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel? And they, now the well, that's sort of like the convenience store. That's the sheets now. That's the uh, sit-go. That's the uh, Hess gas station where you get your coffee and your donut. And so that's the well. Everybody stopped at the well. And he said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Nath and Ramah. And he went thither to Nath and Ramah. And the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nath and Ramah. Look at him. He's on his way there. He stops by a well. So you guys know where David said, Oh, so yeah, man, we know where he's at. He's down that meeting. You wouldn't believe it, man. Some of your men are down there, by the way. And they got down. They've been testifying and prophesying. And, oh, man, God is all over Samuel. And things are happening. And Saul hasn't even gotten to the meeting yet. And God, the Spirit's already working on him. Some guy at a well was excited about what was going on down there. He gets going down there. He's back on his own. What am I doing now? I'm going to go down there and rest David. I don't want to rest David. And by the time he gets down there, the Bible says he takes off his crown. He takes off his robe. Verse 21, 24, he stripped off his clothes also, prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they said, Saul also among the prophets, uh, nothing on tour there. It just means that he, he took off his royal robe. He took off his crown. He dismounted his steed. He laid his, his uh, sword aside, and he testified for the Lord, and he prayed all night. People started saying, do you reckon King Saul's been called to preach? I think he's going to be one of the prophets. I think he's going to roll in Bible college while he's here. i never seen the light. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Would to God that you and I would carry such a, a, a heart full of grace and gratitude and thanksgiving for God and how good he's been to me and how gracious he's been and his mercy that, and whereby I'm not consumed so that folks that are bitter and folks that are resentful and folks that are questioning God and don't understand our God they get around us and they smell, smell the sweet savor of the chosen spirits and how happy they are in the Lord. And so, man, I was a man. I don't feel like being any man anymore. What do you got to do to get in that choir up there? I think I might want to sing. Yeah, that's the spirit of the chosen. You won't touch. You got to get around the spirit of the chosen. Let me ask you a question. Who's bringing your spirit down? Hey, kids, can I ask you a question? I don't know you, so I can say this openly. But, but who is it that your, your parents are worried about you being around? Who is it that's bringing you down? Who is it because you're around and you're less faithful to church now and you're not really involved in the youth part like you were? Who is that? Hey, you want to have the spirit of the chosen? You've got to get around the chosen. Uh, 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 number two, number two, turn off the voices of the rebellious. Turn off the voices of the rebellious. Flee the skeptic. Flee the skeptic. Get away from him. I love that verse the Bible said, <clears throat> uh, 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 an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue. Like a north wind driveth away rain. An angry countenance uh, uh, driveth away a backbiting tongue. He said, people say to me, say, Pastor, I don't know why people just talk to me. I don't know why. I don't know why they talk to me like that. People come and they tell me stuff. I don't know why they tell me stuff. I do because you listen. And everybody knows it. Pastor, here's the thing that I've seen and I'm sure you've seen too. It's amazing how the critic survives but those they poison don't. Man, I... 
I better stop that. You say, well, people come and they say they're negative. To what do you do? That's what you do. And angry. You know, I think oh, we're Christians. Not supposed to be angry. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. Ephesians four twenty six. Be angry, and sin not. So when somebody starts to gossip, say, well, you you know, you know, uh, such and such. How is it that you know something about the nursery and you don't even work in the nursery? He said, well, they, people come to me and everybody needs somebody to talk to. No, you have an appetite for gossip and other people know it. You say, well, what do I do? What you do? You get your anger face on. Our bus kids sing, the devil wants everybody grumpy. Well, Jesus wants you grumpy once in a while. Thank you. Stop gossiping to me, you rascal. Look, you're going to have to get around the chosen and you're going to have to turn off the voices of the rebellious. Adonai Judson is known as a pioneer missionary. Adonai Judson grew up in a Christian home. Adonai Judson walked away from the faith of his parents. He went off to college and he bumped into a man by the name of Jacob Eames. Jacob Eames was an unbeliever. And he filled Adonai Judson's head. He was a, a deist. So there's a God, but he's not a personal God. He don't know who you are and really has nothing to do with you. Just shy of an atheist. Jacob Eames filled Adonai Judson's head. By the way, let me just say this, young people. If you're going to go into the secular arena, you better have on the whole arm of God. You better have on. If you can't stay faithful to church right now, you ain't got no business going there. I'll just tell you that right now because you won't make it. You won't make it. Well, sweetest been in our church one semester. His son, fine young man, kind, one semester. I've been his pastor for a long time, never seen him cry. He came off and started away from the preacher. He said, my son came home for Christmas. He said, you lied to me my whole life. He said, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing else to do with church. Walked in. I'm just telling you. By the way, same thing in the workplace. You better put on the armor of God. And I'm just wasn't ready for that. He was traveling one evening, and I'm judging was traveling one evening, and uh, was traveling by horseback, and he got laid up in the night, and he wasn't going to make it as far as he had wanted to go. He stopped by a roadside inn, and he, he asked for a room, and they said, well, we don't really have a room. Uh, and he said, look, I, I, I got a long way to go. I really need a place to rest. He said, well, he said, sir, we, we have a room, but I don't think you'd want it. He said, why not? He said, well, the man in the room next door is very ill. And, and, and I just don't think you'll get a good rest. He said, I don't care. I'll take it. He took that room. And sure enough, he got in the room, started settling his stuff, and he heard a groaning through the wall in the room next door. A man groaning and then crying out, and then wailing, and then silence, and then groaning. And for hour upon hour, he tossed and turned, listened to a man. He said, man must be dying. He never heard such a wailing in all of his life. Finally... In the wee hours of the morning, all the wailing stopped. And he got a few hours sleep. He got up the next morning to continue on his way, and he stopped by the innkeeper's desk there as he was about to leave. He said, he said, uh, what happened in that room last night? He said, man passed. He said, really? He said, who was he? And the innkeeper took the book where they signed in and turned it around. He said, well, 
was this man right here. And Adam and I Judson read the name of his dearest so-called friend, Jacob Eames. Adam and I Judson got on his horse, went home, got right with his God, got right with his mom and daddy, and became a missionary. <laughs> you better be careful who you follow. I said, you better be careful who you follow. You better be careful who you friend. There's enough garbage out there. Listen, if you can't, if you if you're feeding on garbage, you need to defriend. You need to unheart, or whatever it is you do. You need to delete. Amen. I know that's a button on there. Delete. Turn off the voices of the rebellious. Thirdly and lastly, beware of the vice of familiarity. Beware of the vice of familiarity. You know why Uzzah died? He was too close to the ark. And he lost his reverence. Put his hand out. And God killed him. We won't take time to look at it, but if you go to Numbers, you read about how the Kohathites, they're the ones who, who uh, packed up the furniture. You know, they, excuse me, the ones who carried the furniture. You know what God told them? He said this. He said, do, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, do not peek or I'll kill you. You know, sometimes you get around the things of God and you grow up around it maybe, you're in it all the time, and, and you sort of lose your fascination for it. And God said, no, 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 don't take, don't take it for granted. Don't lose your respect. Don't lose your fascination. Beware of the vice of familiarity. Being around God's people all the time can lull you, if you're not careful, into a false sense of spiritual security and you can backslide in a good gospel-believing, Bible-believing. You can backslide at Bible college in an awful hurry. Yeah. If you don't say, God, help me. Help me realize how good you've been to me. I'm going to ask my girls to come and sing with Dad and we'll close the service this way. Maybe we'll get a couple of these mics right here. The invitation is very simple. Is your heart full tonight of the goodness of God? Is there griping and complaining and gossiping and bitterness and resentment in your life? You girls grab a mic back there. Where's your heart full of the goodness of God? Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly